Let us pray. Teach us your way, O Lord, and lead us on a level path. Teach us, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then we will keep them to the end. Give us understanding, and we will keep your law and obey it with all our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. All right, last week we talked about being fishers of people and the qualities that make for good fishermen and fishers of people and that help them to be successful. We ended with a little bit about the Great Commission. We also talked about the fact that if we just give you a sermon once a week and no more, that we would be doing you a grave disservice. That discipleship is more than that. Then I ask you to consider, are we a catch and release church? Let's go ahead and begin with our scripture verses for today. These can be found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and this is the NRSV version. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. This is just the beginning of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. It continues throughout the rest of chapter 5 and then goes into chapter 6 and 7 as well. And there are numerous topics that you can cover through here. I mean, this is, this is rich stuff. These are great things. So we may come back to that. But for right now, we're going to start looking at just the first couple of verses, and then we'll continue on through the Beatitudes. And then we'll get to our catch and release time. So it starts out saying, when Jesus saw the crowds. The study Bible that I use makes a very interesting distinction between the crowds and the disciples that are gathered during this teaching. The disciples are people that are committed to Jesus. They've already made that decision to follow him. The crowds are those that were curious. They're astounded. They're interested in what Jesus is saying in his ministry, but they haven't quite made that commitment. They're still kind of neutral. They're there. They want to hear what he has to say, but they're just kind of neutral. 
there's some debate as to the actual location of the mountain, but that's um, basically close to where you could see the Sea of Galilee, but there's different things, but I don't want to go too far into that right now. So we're going into the next part of the verse, which says, Jesus sat. Okay, we're sitting, right? Great, yay. But see, the position or the posture of somebody sitting is usually used by a Jewish rabbi when they're about to teach. Ah, sometimes, yes, they did teach while they're walking around, they're doing other things, having a great old time. But when they sit, that means this is the official teaching. This is where things are going to get serious. This is where things are going to be important, so you need to pay attention. The next verse says, Jesus began to speak. Other translations use the words, he opened his mouth. To us, that's simply a way that we start speaking, right? We open our mouths, the words come out, and then we're good. We tell the kids, keep your mouth open while you're talking, otherwise we can't hear you. But in this case, if you look at what it says in Greek, the phrase is not just about speaking. Again, it's speaking something of importance. William Barclay says it really beautiful in one of the commentaries that I read. It says, it is the opening of Jesus' heart and mind to the men who were to be his right-hand men in this task. You see, Jesus doesn't even need to open his mouth to teach. Jesus leads by example. We can follow him. We can learn from him just by seeing what he does. But in this case, he's going to say more. The final part of the verses says he taught them saying. Again, going back to the Greek, the verb tenses used here would imply that Jesus was teaching something continually being taught. The Sermon on the Mount may not have been one sermon. It's a breakup of different things all combined together. It's something that's being continually taught, continually being spoken to the disciples that are there with him. So to sum up, you got the disciples in the crowds, two different groups of people watching, Jesus sitting, meaning, okay, this is important, and then opening his mouth. Again, important, but continually speaking, continually understanding what's going on. So what does this have to do with what we talked about last week when we said fishing for people and making disciples? Jesus shows us how this relates He calls his disciples, and then he teaches them. He doesn't just say, okay, you're here. Good luck. Have fun. See you later. He teaches them. He instructs them in how they are to live. This kind of reminds me a little bit of when Andrew was born. Andrew's my oldest. He's actually back in the back using the camera right now, so who knows what he's looking at, but that's okay. So here we are. We're first-time parents, right? We're going out. We're getting wheeled out. We're doing our thing, and we get to the car, and the nurse hands us Andrew as we're getting in, and everything's going. Put him in the seat, and what does she say to us? And I know Scott remembers this. She says, good luck, (laughs) and that's it. And then we're on our own. We're in the car, we're driving away, and we're in shock, realizing that now we are responsible for this tiny little, okay, he was never really tiny. Let me put it out that way. He was never tiny, but this tiny little baby. And what do we have to do? 
We have to read, right? We have to read books. We have to talk to other people who are raising children. We have to figure out what are we supposed to do with this thing? What are we going to do? Andrew being born wasn't the end of his journey. That was just a start. And it was just a start of us being parents. Following Jesus, deciding to be a disciple, is not the end of your journey. It's just the beginning. Just the beginning. Now we have to learn. We have to figure out what are we supposed to do. Notice that teaching was also mentioned in the Great Commission that we talked about last week. And I underlined the verse to make it really easy to find. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Teaching. So what are we supposed to do? Go out find them, form relationships, and then teach. Teach them. But like we just said, it's not about teaching one thing one time and then you're finished. After we brought Andrew home, or any of our kids for that matter, and even as adults, you can't just learn something one time and be done. For the most part, it's a continual teaching. You have to be taught something and review and review and review. And by the, oh, I don't know, 27th time, maybe you actually know what you're doing. Maybe you're remembering things. It's our responsibility here as the church, little C church, as in PCOL, and big C church, as in the kingdom, to continually offer instruction, to continually offer support as you all, as we all together continue on our journey as disciples. That's why we have things here. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have our worship service on Wednesday, our our word on Wednesday. That's why we have Alpha coming up. That's why we have support groups like our grief forum. All of these things help us and gather us together so that we can grow. These are ways to continue learning. Okay, so we're here. We got here. What do we need to learn? Why do we have to keep learning? Obviously, we know who God is. We know who Jesus is. We know that he died for our sins. We know that we are saved because of him. So what else do we need to know? Now we need to know and learn how to live, how to live our lives as children of God. Because life is hard. It's not easy. There's going to be crazy things that happen, and we need to know what are we supposed to do during those crazy times. Jesus starts this with the Beatitudes. Through the Beatitudes, Jesus teaches us that that there is a joy that cannot be touched or changed based on circumstances. We've talked about this joy before. It's not happiness. Yeah, you're happy, but it's not just that because happiness is talking about your happenstances, right? Your circumstances of what's going on. This is a Christian joy that comes from having a relationship with God, and following or walking in the company of Jesus, a joy that cannot be taken away. Back to another commentary thing from William Barclay. He interprets the Beatitudes in a way that to me was truly, truly beautiful. Instead of using the word blessed are they, he uses the word bliss, perfect happiness, great joy, to be oblivious 
to everything else. So I wanna share a few of those interpretations with you. We're not gonna go through the whole list, but I want you to see if you recognize some of these, because these are characteristics for those that are following Jesus and becoming disciples and learning what to do. Someone who is living as a child of God. First one we're gonna look at, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, oh, the bliss, the joy of the man who has realized his own utter helplessness and who has put his whole trust in God. For thus alone, he can render to God that perfect obedience, which will make him a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Most of the world views helplessness in a negative way. But it's only when we realize and recognize our helplessness that we can fully give that control to God. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Oh, the bliss of the man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time, who has every instinct and impulse and passion under control because he himself is God-controlled, who has the humility to realize his own ignorance and his own weakness. For such a man is a king among men. Again, meekness, We see that maybe as a weakness. It's not good to be meek. But it's possible that that word meek, when translated, could have better be translated as gentle. Not meek, but gentle. Understanding what to do. Someone who recognizes that they can only lead others if they are first being led by God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Oh, the bliss of the man who longs for total righteousness as a starving man longs for food and a man perishing of thirst longs for water, for that man will be truly satisfied. Ah, satisfaction. It's what we're all looking for, the best of everything. Here we see that true satisfaction comes from the pursuit of, of being right with God. Not money, not our cars, our houses, the things that we wear, the people we hang out with, but being right with God. Last one that I'm gonna do for today. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. This is one of my favorites. Oh, the bliss of the man who gets right inside other people until he can see with their eyes, think with their thoughts, feel with their feelings. For he who does that will find others do the same for him and will know that that is what God in Jesus Christ has done. Isn't this the ultimate in following Jesus? Doing what he did while he was here walking the earth? Jesus taught his disciples and he continued to model this in all the things that he did, in all his actions. These teachings continue, and they're life-changing. They're transformative. They're important. They're powerful. They get us going on our discipleship journey. Speaking of which, let's see where we are on our discipleship journey. We're getting started, right? So first thing, become a disciple of Jesus. If you're following Jesus, check 
You've done that. You're becoming a disciple. Next thing, continue learning and growing. This is a hard one sometimes because we want to learn things once and move on. But it's a continuing of this. If you don't work on a relationship, that relationship falls apart. It's the same way with this. We have to continue to be in God's word and learn things. Next, we need to make more disciples. But we can do that, right? We've learned how. We're a disciple. We've learned how to fish. We know what we're doing. We can get this. (gasps) Yes, piece of cake. Caution. Be careful here. Just like being careful when fishing for people, using the right bait, doing all those things that we had to talk about before, we need to be careful when we create disciples. Top of the list, and it's one that we might not think about very often, we have to make sure we understand who we are making disciples of, for whom. We are helping people to become disciples of Jesus Christ. We are not helping them become disciples of PCOL or PCUSA or of Ferdy or of Nicole or of anybody else who is leading a worship service. That is not why we're here. We are making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's important. We have to stand firm in the truth while demonstrating and being transformed by the power of God and God's love and his grace. We don't put the attention on us. Remember the lay low part and the fishing for fish or for men? Lay low. Attention off of us. Put it where it belongs, on Jesus. Okay, now we're going to come to the catch and release part. Catch and release. For those of you that fish, you probably know. You know, you catch a fish. Maybe it's too small. Maybe you're just out there having some fun. And then you release the fish back into the water, right? There's ways that you have to help that fish. You have to treat that fish. You have to do things to get that fish back into its surroundings. All of those are hugely important, and it's hugely important when taking care of each other, too. But we're going to look on a different side of this for the catch and release. Some individuals measure the success of a church by the numbers of people sitting in the pews or the people that are watching online And while it may show success, if you've got a lot of fish that you bring in when you're fishing, that's not the case when we're talking about fishing for people and creating disciples. Because our community extends beyond these walls. It extends beyond what we are doing just here or just online. The families that come, for example, for Lighthouse Kids, they may never join our church, they might not ever even sit in these pews outside of the times when they are here to watch their children. Is that okay? Absolutely. Those kids are being continually taught. They're always learning. And when they go home, trust me, they talk to their parents and the parents can't help it because they're hearing the songs over and over again. So they're learning the same things too. Continually being taught, continually being transformed as they experience the love of God while they're here with us. And then they can go out and share that love. You see, when you go fishing, if you catch that fish and you're going to bring it back with you, but you still have more fish to catch, you put it in a holding tank. 
right? It's got to stay there, especially if you're on a big fish. Little fish, maybe you put it in a cooler. But you've got it in a holding tank. It's sitting there. But we're not here to grab every fish we see and keep it in our holding tank. We're here to meet them where, we, where they are. Every person that comes in, meet them where they are, teach them, love them, and then release them to go out and love others. Sometimes that means they become leaders here at PCOL. We get to be with them and hang out and have a great time. Sometimes it means they are released to go out and serve in other places, in other ministries, doing other things for God, for the kingdom. And yes, we love our church. It's great, right? We have family here. I can't imagine not being with you peoples and and getting the love and everything else that you guys have shared. You guys are amazing. But there's a bigger church, and it's God's kingdom that's here on earth. We love our church. It's our home. It's our family. But the church down the street, that's somebody else's home. That's somebody else's family. If we are all truly following Jesus, if we are all truly helping others to become disciples of Jesus, then we can rejoice in the numbers in God's kingdom as opposed to just worrying about the numbers that we have here. It's about working together. It's about being in community with each other. It's amazing how that can happen. We don't have to worry just about little church. It's the big church, the kingdom of God. Do you recall the last sentence that was in the Great Commission? And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, we're not alone in this mission. Sam brought that up last week when we went to the praise song afterwards, to the reflection song. We're not alone when making disciples. We're not alone when teaching and instructing and gathering and supporting. Jesus is beside us. God is with us. The Holy Spirit is within us always. And that's super comforting to know because, man, I don't want to do this alone. I know I can't. We've got each other, and most importantly, we have God. Final slide. This is really short, really easy. So go out. Fish for people. Find them. Get to know them. Make those relationships. Bring them on in and then release them to fish for others. Reach and teach like our mission says. Catch and release. Amen? Amen.